Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah, I'm just not much of a luau kind of mood anyway. Oh, me neither. These people give me a headache. <laughs> No, cabbage fart strikes again. <laughs> this is get with this Beverly Hills Night Out. <laughs> this is so season ten, episode five, the Lou Out Cheer host. Are you? Hey, Ted. Oh, hi. <laughs> it's me, Servant. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes Dave is almost too professional. Like it makes me uncomfortable because I feel like I'm not rising to his level that he's setting, you know? All right. So here's what happened. Full disclosure. Just before before the show starts it proper and we're recording, we do a countdown. We go like somebody goes 10, somebody goes nine, somebody goes eight. So I can sync up the different tracks. People know what a countdown is. Jesus Christ. And then (laughs) we started burping the numbers. And then I burped the last number, but I still had like half that burp that's caught in your throat. And I was like, uh oh, it's going to come out at the wrong time. And as soon as I started talking, it was like this slow burp release. Like it was burping like one milligram of burp per second. God. That's a really good story. Could you tell it again? Yeah, everyone is so glad that you, t- <laughs> you told up. them. <laughs> I'd also like to note that it was only me and Dave who were burping the numbers. Tara was trying to be a human being and grow well, up. I mean, to be fair, the first up. thing I did as soon as we stopped recording the last episode was burp, which apparently Dave did record. So great. And I'm going to insert it right here. Oh, good. Please note, it's almost three minutes into the episode and we still have not talked about it because it's so dumb and bad and boring. But shall we? All right, yeah, I'm going to mute. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Hi. Uh, let's start with our B plot. <laughs> Fittingly enough, yes. bad ideas continue rampaging through the club and the hotel. Like a cabbage fart. Hi, Dave. I know you uh, are on mute, but that's He's on mute, but I can hear him screaming, laughing down the hall. Okay. (laughs) Gina is in bed with Dylan in the middle of the night when he gets a prank call from a couple of Latino kids in the kitchen, badly pretending they're running a radio contest and young enough to fall for Dylan's claim that he is an FBI agent. Apparently, it's the 10th time they have called their room this week. And since he's awake from the prank call, Dylan decides to grab a handy legal pant pad and work clip two i always liked writing at night writing what when what i can we please not with dylan's like um authorial aspirations yeah i mean we saw this when he was like on his um 
word processing machine um, uh-huh. in season three, I guess, where Kelly was like flopping around his bungalow uh-huh. like this is boring. You're not a writer. And it was like, yeah. well, you're being a bitch about it. But word. Yeah. And then when he was writing with who was Jonesy two from his rehab group, Charlie, the tooth, Charlie, they were writing some like the tooth. noir. Remember the yeah. tooth? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, tooth. Of course. And now it's back, even though two weeks ago or three weeks ago, he couldn't be bothered to like whole ass his college application. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just like, like put drawings on it or like a tracing of a leaf. And then was like, it's charming. <laughs> and the admissions officer's like, you're stupid. Fuck like, off. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Shut up, Dylan, is my point. Word. Since Gina is up, she decides to turn the TV on and finds Gone with the Wind, ignoring Dylan's hints that what he likes about writing at night is the quiet. And he suggests that they catch the second half in her room and she's insulted, particularly that since he had time to bone her earlier. But she leaves and in the hall, Gina runs into some dude who doesn't, as she assumes, need her to direct him to the ice machine because he lives there and has seen her coming out of Dylan's suite at all hours, which they discuss in clip three. Listen, if you want a late night shift, I got a gig. A lot of girls who work the hotel dance at my club. What? Strictly high rollers. Now, why don't you do a little try? Why don't you take me? your hand off? You my are office. making a big mistake. Hey, I, I, I don't mean to step on your dime. If she's still servicing you, I can. Oh. Yeah. Now apologize to the lady. Why he made me feel the same way you do? Okay. I have a few thoughts. One is she should go to this club. She'd probably make a lot of money. Yeah. Exactly. She's she's very sexy, as we keep saying, and I mm-hmm. bet she can dance. At least I bet she can dance well enough to dance on a pole. Yeah. Uh, second, if she's going to keep saying that Dylan makes her feel like a sex worker, then she needs to stop letting him support her. Like, you can't have it both ways. Sorry. Mm, yeah. Um, another thought would be this guy is like an actual regulation size grown man. Uh-huh. And the Dylan is like, punch. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. all right praying mantis take it easy so robin hates herself so much that she's allowed david to convince her to meet him in person again so that he can try to convince her there's a dr david and mr dj thing going on and it's working Uh clip clip four look i know you hate my show okay sometimes i hate (laughs) my show (laughs) here's my suggestion to you all right listen The next time you hear that guy. The jerk. The jerk. Uh-huh. Just turn it off. Just reach out and turn the radio off. I can do that. Okay. The question is, can you do that? Mm, no. <laughs> he, he, he already proved he can't, Robin. Get, get, get a clue. Yeah. Um, anyway, <sighs> on behalf of all feminists, of course, I am appalled. Fortunately, David is humiliated almost immediately because when he and Robin walk into the peach pit, they see that every patron plus Nat and some other non-willy guy behind the counter are wearing T-shirts with David's dumb face on them that read, if you're going to play, you might as well score because someone from the radio station dropped them off. Why? Whatever. God. And yet I kind of want one. Well, it comes I mean, up they're again. So, and- they're <laughs> like offensive and fugazi. Yeah. And I kind of want one. Exactly. David tries his it's the other guy tack again, but Robin doesn't believe it this time and leaves. Uh, It won't last. Noah goes to the hotel to give Dylan his rent check and raise even more questions about how exactly this business works in clip five. (laughs) 
I want to give it to myself. I want to explain why it's a little short this month. Oh, you didn't sell enough Jello shots? <laughs> That's his lease agreement. I do all the work. He reaps all the benefits, you know? Uh, no, I don't know. What? Um, yeah, that's not how a lease works. A lease is for the real estate. Right. I don't get it. Right. Like, we have seen plenty of evidence that Dylan thinks he is also in charge of the club. Like, not starting with he has an office there, but also, like, he arranges events. He went up and fixed that stupid raffle for Kelly. Like, he is not just acting like a landlord. He is acting like the boss of the club. So it's also his problem if it's not making money. Like, this is not, this does not make and sense. The rent is the rent. Right. Like, it's not like the bag's a little light this month, boss. Like, you're not, you're not a bookie. Right. <laughs> you tried to be a bookie. That didn't really work out right. in the club. Remember that, folks, because the writers mm -hmm. don't. Then Gina sees the strip club owner in the hotel bar. He now has a black eye from Dylan, LOL. Um, Gina asks if Noah wants to join her in an after hours side venture that could double Noah's revenues without his having to share it with Dylan, which is strippers. Again, if Dylan is the owner of the club, those those dividends would go to him, presumably. If this is the issue, this does not make sense. If whatever. And when whatever, are they whatever. proposing Gina to do that? Like they open at two in the morning? Yeah. So it's the peach pit after? After, after dark. After dark? Yeah. Peach pit after dark, after even darker. <laughs> nice. Uh, Gina and Dylan are trying to shorthand a fight about their living situation when a housekeeper named Maria comes to talk to him, a prank caller in each hand. These are her children, and she has brought them to apologize for the calls, but after they do, she blames herself. The community center stopped their after-school program, and now she has to bring the kids to work with her. Dylan wistfully remembers that Hector used to catch him wilding in his youth, too. And when Maria leaves, Dylan tells the kids to start making very early wake-up calls to the strip club guy. Oh, this'll end well. The next day, Gina and Noah strategize about their after-hours strip club plan somewhere in her hotel. Her rumor, Dylan's not clear. Um, the idea is that they charge a $30 cover, the dancers keep all their tips, and they fill the seats with high rollers from Pia's enormous Rolodex. And we find out that Noah is money grubbing because he needs rent, which we will get to. He kind of shades Gina for letting Dylan support her. And she reveals that all the money Felice gave her has been spent by Bobby. Again, on what? Unclear. Also, didn't Gina give her a cut in cash? How did Bobby even get Gina's share? Whatever. <laughs> I mean, at least at least they like said something about it. Right. Right. One way or the other. But I was like, that makes no sense. But at least. Yes. Like, at least there was a declaration made. Exactly. So Gina's confident that she will make it all back and more. Dylan goes to the hotel break room to watch as Maria's kids open their backpacks and a huge crab crawls out of each one. Cruel to the kids and the crabs, by the way. <laughs> and Hector patiently lets this happen, looking tolerant but unamused, which you can, of course, see in the visual aids. And David walks Robin home after another date. She unwisely agreed to go on, though they seem to have had fun. David goes in for a kiss and then gloats that it's proof of how different he and his radio alter ego are. She's ambivalent about asking him in because she knows from listening to his show that if she doesn't sleep with him tonight by his own rules, he'll have to dump her. And instead of confirming or denying that, he invites her to a luau, which we will get to. He really wants her to meet his friends and she will think about it. Uh, Gina works the phones, getting the word out about girls working the polls. There's a knock at the door and a bunch of hotel guys wheel in a popcorn machine. Plus, Dylan has a movie projector and a roll of tickets. 
He has arranged all this to show Gone with the Wind and impress her, and she is duly tickled. This is also where we see that in, when he coughed up, he only got her a room, not a suite. So she doesn't have a kitchen, and this is dumb. Um, and he avoids a t- she avoids a detection even when he sits on P.S. Filofax, which, by the way, is a great name for a band, P.S. Filofax. Uh, uh, I <laughs> the kids have been waking up, have been wake up calling Dylan and not the strip club guy in retribution for the backpack crabs. Also a good band name. So they're officially in a prank <laughs> war. But then Maria comes stalking in to grab the kids and say they're leaving. She's been fired. Hector is right behind them and tells Dylan that a guest found two large crabs in her bathtub this morning. And the kids protest that they were just trying to keep the, ca- the crabs alive. And Dylan takes the, br- the blame, but Hector says it's a hotel, not a daycare center. Not even as a personal favor to Dylan can Hector reinstate Maria because Dylan is a heedless millionaire idiot and doesn't consider the consequences of his actions for people who do not enjoy his many privileges. And from here, shit gets entangled, so we will pick it back up in the A plot. And here's that A plot now. Janet's pregnancy (laughs) upsets and inconveniences the community. This scene happens right after Gina's altercation with the guy who thought she was a sex worker, so I'm not sure how late the Sosnas like to dine. But anyway, Steve and <laughs> Janet are at a very fancy cloth napkin restaurant waiting for her parents to show up. She reminds him that they kicked her out of their house when they found out she and Steve were dating, so I guess that very nicely appointment, appointed apartment that we saw Janet calling Steve from in the season premiere was something she found and furnished on her unsalary. okay. <laughs> Why do I care? I don't know, but I still do anyway. Well, and this is like a constant source of discussion slash callbacks on our forums mm-hmm. about the fact that like, where does she live? Like when, right. when the camera is not on her, does she just stand in a corner mm-hmm. somewhere? Like she has no, and now apparently she's like living at, she's living like in the doodle area. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like, if you're going to make us a care about this character outside of Steve, which they're not really, but Mm -hmm. B, take her side in this ridiculous campaign to keep the pregnancy a secret until it's showing too late. Yeah, but until halfway through. Yeah. Then maybe give her a fucking place to live. Like, it's a line. Mm -hmm. Why do do I care, Tara? Why? Sorry for interrupting. I don't know. I do, too. Anyway, Steve says this is different and Janet agrees it's worse. And they get up. Janet is clearly showing pregnancy wise, which her very observant mother notes as soon as she sees her. (laughs) Janet confirms that she is pregnant and her dad immediately tries to usher her mother off. But Steve gets them to stay long enough to hear that they have another announcement they think the Sosnas will be happy about. They're getting married. Mr. S thinks that Janet is too young and hasn't dated enough. And Janet finishes his thought she hasn't dated enough Japanese men. And Mrs. S says there were so many things she that Janet wanted to do. And Janet says one is marrying the man she loves, whether or not they approve. And it turns out they don't. Clip six. You're disgracing our family. Let me show. <laughs> I they really were doing it on purpose at this point. I firmly believe. I'm fine I with think it. So too. 
Uh, so over breakfast at the Walsh house, Steve recaps the dinner that didn't happen, exposits that he's having lunch with Rush today and finding a, and that finding a place to live is on Janet and Steve's never ending to do list. Matt suggests that Janet and Steve live there. And Steve says not. I would never impose on the people I live with in that way, but that it's one bedroom short of accommodating a baby. Noah says one of them could move out, meaning him and Matt, or Matt. And Steve finally does say he couldn't ask them to do that. Not her sure who's in charge of any of them living here at this point, but sure. And isn't the doodlarium technically free? No, Janet lives there. Right. So move into the doodlarium. Why does the baby need its own room? It's a baby. Right. Well, uh, who cares? Move on. Right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but if one of, if Matt or Noah moved into the doodlerium, then it would be all set. Right. I think that That's was my point, it. perhaps. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's not my what point. happened. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no. Anyway. Why, why Matt- would it? Matt and Noah are both extremely nice about insisting, though they admit to each other after he's gone that they're both broke and neither of their girlfriends wants to shack up. Matt goes to see Kelly at the store where she's fiddling with decorations for the engagement party. He tells her to skip uh, Janet's parents on the guest list. And since Janet didn't come home, this is the first Kelly has heard of it. Matt awkwardly comes around to mentioning the nursery and even more awkwardly says it's going to be in Noah's room or Matt's. And he hopefully says it raises some issues or opportunities for them. And fortunately, Kelly is saved from answering by a customer, but not before looking like she's going to barf on him. And then Donna comes in and Kelly's like, well, one of our boyfriends is about to be homeless. (laughs) Except no. Uh, At lunch, Rush is also disapproving of Janet and Steve, but he's still at the table, which is, by the way, in a Chinese restaurant. He asks for chopsticks and tells Steve and Janet they love it when you use them. Rush pledges his support to the couple, but when the waiter returns, things get worse, racially speaking, in clip seven. Look, why don't you order for us, huh? Uh, maybe a nice uh, spicy meat dish or something. They always keep the best dishes a secret for the uh, Chinese, not, not your people. <coughs> I know, he needs therapy. Sir, I'm not sure what you'd like because I'm both Vietnamese and a vegetarian, so I haven't tried the meat dishes. <laughs> <laughs> MVP. MVP. <laughs> yeah. Janet makes a very small smug look that is enjoyable, uh, which you can see in the visual age. AIDS. Rush is not affected by this setback and suggests that Steve and Janet just see how it goes before getting married. And Steve firmly says he and Janet love each other very much and aren't going to take Rush's advice. Later, Donna is assembling party decorations and whining about why Noah hasn't mentioned to her that he might be moving out while Janet and Steve glumly sit by with much bigger problems, which soon explode into a fight about whose parents are more hostile to their relationship. Donna tries to mediate by saying that at least Samantha is happy, but it doesn't help since, according to Steve, as a white woman and a lesbian, Samantha is a double threat to the Sosnas. Samantha is, we learn, filming something in Toronto, but when a knock comes on the door, we learn that Samantha has sent her girlfriend Karen in her place. Celeste Kane. Oh my God, it is. I forgot. (laughs) It it took me almost until the end of the episode to be like, where do I know? Oh, Celeste Kane. Veronica Mars. This really like, this was, I think, five years before Veronica Mars that she looks. But I mean, they just aged her up. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really something. Yeah. It's nice to see her. This plot is terrible. Nice to see her being nice also. She is very very warm and enthusiastic about meeting the Sazen is when Janet doubles over in pain to a very aggressive chord on the score and Steve is right on top of it. Clip eight. Janet? Hey, are you all right? 
Is it the baby? <laughs> um. Well, she's grabbing her abdomen. <laughs> so it's probably not her patella. Fucking well, idiot. It might be the Chinese food that their waiter took a dump on. <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> it might. That's true. I mean, not that he wanted Janet to get hurt, probably, but, you know, if, it, if you're eating family style, you takes your chances. Yeah, Rush definitely got a globber or two from from the back. For sure. The next day in the hospital, Dr. Mrs. Moonvez tells Steve and Janet that everything is fine. <laughs> Janet was probably having a panic attack, and he tells she tells Janet to avoid stress. Suddenly, Janet's mother is there because Donna called her. Janet and Mrs. S have a nice moment until Mrs. S introduces herself to Karen and Steve calls Karen his adopted sister and quickly steers her out before she can contradict him. And Kelly is all clenched as Matt tells her about the apartment he just looked at. She mumbles that it sounds big and he says it's not for two people, then raises his eyebrows at her. She agrees that it will be fun for them to live together someday, but that she likes living with Donna and not, for instance, that they have obviously lucked into a ridiculous deal on this beachfront three-bedroom that she's not ready to give up, though that would be a fair thing to say. Or that and she hates a- Matt, although we all, all already know that, and True. you just need to break it to him because he doesn't seem to be getting the hint. Mm-hmm. And he gets annoyed that her reasons not to move in with him are all about the fun that she has living with girls and nothing to do with their relationship, and she has no answer because there isn't one. Meanwhile, at the Welsh house, Donna and Noah are making a giant dinner spread. And he's, as he says, he has to tell her something. He can't make the luau. And she's like, oh, is that it? He doesn't tell her about his living situation or the after hours club. Instead, lying about having to do the books or some shit. She prompts him to tell her anything else. And when he says he's crazy about her, she gives up and tells him she knows he might be moving out. And He tells her it's no big deal. And Janet is eating ice cream and getting a foot, foot rub from Steve, who is, in an actually funny touch, wearing one of the David t-shirts. <laughs> I know. I love that. <laughs> when the doorbell rings, it's the Sosnas, and the t-shirt is a lot less amusing when we get another long close-up of the graphic as Mr. S takes it in and then moves on disgustedly. It would have been so much funnier if it was just, like, he's wearing it because they were around and not that it was the point of a joke. Like, they yeah. kind of ruined it. Yeah. But anyway, both the Sosnas have come around. Mr. S is telling Janet he shouldn't have pushed her away. And Steve butts in to agree that he shouldn't have. Like, this isn't your lane, bro. Let this happen without you. Yeah. That said, I did not hear Mr. Sosna say, I'm sorry. But he agrees with Steve and says they want they want Janet to move back in with them. Steve rudely answers on Janet's behalf, saying they don't need her parents' help. But they're even offering to look after the baby and send her to grad school, as they discuss in clip nine. Excuse me. But where do I fit into this happy, well-funded picture you're painting? You're the child's father. You can come visit. Visit. Remember how scared you were in the emergency room? Well, you won't be with us. I'm fine here. But I do need you. Steve and I both do. Please, Janet. Think of what's best for the child. Raising your baby with us or alone with him. She said no. Think about it. Uh, hard to care. Mm, <laughs> we keep talking about impossible, actually. Yeah. At least in this, uh, at least in this remote studio. Indeed. The next day, 
Matt is still pouting about Kelly not wanting to live with him, as she explains to Donna after he has flounced out. Donna counters by saying at least Matt asked. Noah just told her he was getting a place. And that night, we see the luau has been rained into the girl's apartment, where Steve is still trying to do damage control with Karen on the whole sister story. Then Rush shows up. Steve points out Karen, and Rush reflexively starts leering at her until Steve tells him who she actually is, and then the cover story and why he concocted it. No big deal, right? Uh, well, clip 10. Your mother? My ex-wife? Has a lover named Karen? Yeah, Dad, she's gay. I thought you knew. <laughs> we could talk all about that later, but for now, she's my adopted sister, your daughter, okay? Please, I'm begging you, please, please, please. Fine, son. Miss you night. But no wife of mine was ever gay. <laughs> I love how close this actor always is to just busting into an Irish brogue. I, I know. It's so weird. <laughs> And um, P.S. You'll see this in the visual aids, but he, um, t- despite being a pig along a number of axes, is still wearing uh-huh. that sweet opal pinky ring. He sure is. It. He surely is. Yeah, this as stuff setups go, this is pretty good. And I like that it rests on what we know about Rush and uh, and not just contrivance. Like, I mean, it's partly contrived, but. It does kind of makes it makes sense both that Steve would assume that Samantha had told Rush and also that Rush would react like this. Mm. So I don't hate it. I mean, for this show, it's actually pretty well constructed. So yes, rating on an extremely steep curve. <laughs> Indeed. So Gina has no empathy for Maria's kids and is aggressively pre-gaming <laughs> for the after hours event. An oblivious Donna tells Dylan that Noah really wanted to be at the luau and couldn't Dylan relieve him tonight? Uh, when the Sazanas show up, Rush is in character as Karen's dad, but because he is horny, he is way too weird and handsy about it. He's so horny, in fact, that the next person to arrive is an exotic dancer named Trish, whom Rush hired because he thought this was a bachelor party. Steve tries to get rid of Trish, but can't. Steve then introduces her to Janet as their prospective nanny. Trish has recognized David, a radio DJ, I will not say personality because he's not, on site, and hustles over to him to ask him the kind of intrusive questions his chosen persona invites in clip 11. While he signs her boobs. How'd that third date go? You know, I'm going to need a napkin or something. No, no, no. Sign here. More poor anyone? (laughs) You're not serious. David, come on. Live a little. So, the third date. Did you sleep with her? Did you get some? Come on! Yeah, yeah, tons, all right? Thanks. Thanks a lot. I could try to explain, but what could you possibly say? Yeah, Robin, this was clear in the last episode. When you keep showing up, it's on you. Yeah. Here's what I could possibly say. Don't answer the door when he shows up to loom on you in extreme close-up, but we'll get to it. We will. In the kitchen, Rush is telling Karen that Samantha's sexual identity is a phase, and Karen wearily says she understands his feelings of emasculation in clip 12. Can you tell when a woman fakes an orgasm? Yes, absolutely. It's not what mom says. I got something you don't have. Penis envy? Uh, <laughs> Celeste. Uh, yeah. 
Rush, of course, loses it and demands that Karen get in bed with him immediately. And Mr. Sosna, of course, overhears this and <laughs> thinks the Sanders family engages in incest and hustles Mrs. Sosna to the door with Janet and Steve close behind, which is when Steve finally tells him who Karen actually is. They still disapprove of Steve's family and of the beat and admit they only came to the party to try to convince Janet to move home because Steve is wasting Janet's potential. Hard to argue with that. Sorry. Work-wise, not with regard to their relationship. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, Janet tearfully tells them they haven't noticed that her life is going in a different direction now. And does her dad even care that she's happy? They're not disappointed in the man in her life. They're disappointed in her. And Mr. S is like, okay, we are. Bye. Gina and Dylan are about to head back out to the club when Gina tells him to wait, runs into the bathroom and calls over to the club where we see about a dozen exotic dancers impatiently waiting as Noah gives them instructions. Apparently these are the auditions. He wants another hour to run them, but Gina says he needs to finish up now because Dylan's on his way. Noah tells her to stall Dylan and hangs up. And then we see the same shot of the, of all of the dancers standing there, except it's like flipped the other way for some reason. You oh yeah. That was very weird. Uh, so Gina decides to stall Dylan by coming out of the bathroom naked and it works. And then it's the next day. We do not see how things went at the after hours strip party at all. Instead, we're back at the beach house, the beach apartment where Steve and Janet are cleaning up the party. Steve full of self-pity at the thought that he isn't offering Janet anything better than her parents are. She muses that maybe she will go to grad school and he boo-boo kiddily asks whether Janet thinks he'll be able to take care of her and the baby because he's worried that if she doesn't, she'll resent him for taking him her away from her family. Janet tells Steve it's Mr. S who's making her choose, not him. And Steve is suddenly upset that he knows nothing about Janet's Japanese heritage and worries that their child won't grow up with it. And in this respect, at least he thinks her family is right. Okay. Dylan has, of course, made an anonymous donation to reopen the after-school programs at Maria's Kids Community Center because why address social services funding gaps in a systemic way that benefits everyone when a millionaire could just patch them on a case-by-case basis when he personally becomes aware of them? Also. How, like, how is he not out of money? How is he not out of money? Mm -hmm. Dylan has summoned Hector to the place to tell him both about the program and to hint broadly that he paid off the complaining guest. So Hector hires Maria back on the spot. This is all terrible. This is really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Like, this is some, yeah. White man savior shit. Big time. Yes, it is. The program director suggests that Dylan come volunteer. Dylan claims he's not good with kids, whereupon the director pulls a kick me hard sign off Dylan's back. Why would you remove it? Leave it there. (laughs) It'll be uh, an extra challenge for the children, spatial relations wise, to try and find his butt in his giant pants (laughs) to kick it. So Matt and Noah both come to the store to flip a coin and see which of them is going to move out of the Walsh house. Why don't they both move out and get a place together? No one suggests. Or anyway, why? before they flip, Donna pulls Noah aside to say they should talk about moving in together. He reminds her that she said no before and she says she freaked out before because it's a big decision. And he's like, yeah, and and she has no follow up. Meanwhile, Kelly, whose hair, by the way, looks very good in this scene. I feel like we must note it when it happens because it is rare. Tells Matt she feels left behind by Janet and Steve's big relationship moves, but she doesn't want to commit to living with him just out of panic or envy or whatever. And Matt understands because he is not Matt, but doormat. 
they go out. Noah flips the coin, but then Donna in her weird backless top, which you can see the visual aids, catches it and announces that she and Noah are moving in together. So unless he is moving into the beach apartment, that means Kelly is going to be alone in a three bedroom apartment. <laughs> like you guys just need to get better at counting because. Yeah. Or build another set. Yeah. Janet and Steve assemble all the parents who are in the country to apologize for the mistakes they've made and say they've considered their advice, but that this isn't a shotgun marriage. Both dads take umbrage. (laughs) Rush, of course, racistly calling Mr. S the king of Siam. So Steve and Janet shut them up, saying they love each other and are getting married. Steve says he would have proposed eventually, but that the baby is just an added bonus. And they tell their parents that they can be involved and enjoy grandparenthood or be dicks and miss it. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist. (laughs) In bed, Gina tells Dylan that Hector told her about his anonymous gift to the community center. Both Hector and she are proud of him. She's about to leave when he tells her she doesn't have to, and she's happy that he's not being an asshole to her for once, but she can't stay because she has to go to the club and supervise all the stripping. I wonder if Michael Stipe is there. Oh, wait, Pia couldn't find his number. (laughs) (laughs) Behind the bar. (laughs) Thank you. Noah tells Gina he feels like a pimp, but $3,000 and change is her half. David goes to apologize. Probably based on his shirt is you look like a pimp. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's good. Nice, nice moment for her. (laughs) David goes to apologize to Robin for the millionth time. She has been dodging his calls, obviously. And this is their exchange. Clip 13. You know, I'm just talking to you right now because I'm curious. Did we sleep together again tonight? Is it good for me, David? Hmm? Yeah, we did. And I was great. Nope. Robin, I don't know why I lied about that. Because you're David Silver. You shoot, you score, right? Something like that. You know, when I was in high school, I wasn't like I am now. I never would have had a radio guy with a three-date rule. I fell in love with this girl, and I actually waited years before I slept with her. David, it's been a really long time since I found somebody that I could trust. I gotta be honest with you, you scare me. Because when I see you standing at my door, I don't know which guy you are standing there. It's me. Robin, it's just me. Whoever that is. But you know, I gotta tell you, that guy that you talk about from high school. Yeah. That's the guy that I would have liked to have met wrong he also yeah. sucked yeah he was also a complete horn dog who often was videotaping his stepsister while uh-huh. she was getting dressed he was yeah. a pig he was a piss face even in like season two and uh-huh. oh my god like the way that um this is shot like the the close-ups are like even for a daytime drama it's like really close up and he's like leaning in her doorway and like tilting his head against the door jam. And I think maybe this is either um, his last girlfriend who was about to be deported. Same apartment. I thought that too. (laughs) Or it's actually his little Carly's house and they just like repainted it and hoped we wouldn't notice. There's some reason that we're not like really seeing that much of the, the rest of like everything else that's in the frame. Because I think they're just recycling, like, maybe they're in the Peach Pit bathroom set. I don't even know. (laughs) But he's, like, he's all sad and looking, like, he thinks this is cute to sort of be leaning Jordan Catalano style in her doorway. 
but then his face is completely smug and dicky like it always is. Like, I wouldn't care either at this point in the show's run, but either zoom out or have him act one of those. Oh, it's just maddening. I also hate how much they have him bring up. I dated a girl for years and waited to have sex with her. Like yeah. that's a plank of his origin story that proves what a good, decent guy he is. When we know from watching it, he complained about it constantly yeah. when he wasn't cheating on her and yeah. sleeping with other people. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just, it's just gross the way they recast it. Like, well, I was so patient. Like, no, you, you suck. <laughs> you yeah. still suck. And we'll also that's called the bare fucking legal and ethical person minimum. Right. Because right. you did not have her consent. Right. So shut yes. the fuck up. Yeah. Cause, cause even, even leaving aside like the fact that, you know, okay, she, he forced the issue by sleeping with someone else in part because the, uh, someone else threw herself at him and he was so horny that he couldn't say no. But like he did before that already break up with Donna because <clears throat> she would not sleep with him. Yeah. So fuck off. Yep. The end. <laughs> with our most valuable player. You go first. Um, obviously the kid who stuck the kick me sign on Dylan. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say the waiter. <laughs> the waiter. I'm going to. I'm going to say the tie between the waiter who tried to, who very graciously shaded Rush and Karen. <laughs> yeah, Karen's right up there. Uh, least valuable player. Oh, it's a tough one, but yeah, David. So gross. Um, let's do the Kim challenge. Bad, bad, dangerous to know. Five ways from this episode, Dylan proves he is mad, bad, and dangerous to know. It's bad to use live crabs in a in a prank. They are alive. Yeah. Um, he is mad if he thinks that this writing thing is going to go anywhere when it still hit, you know, no, stop. Um, it's dangerous to, uh, start a, any kind of prank, anything with a person who is precariously employed because you haven't thought through what the effects might be on her. Um, I'm actually a pretty big fan usually of throwing money at problems and I think it gets a bad name, but it's sort of bad to throw money at this particular problem and not for nothing, but how much money do you even have left after you've yeah. rented like basically the contents of entire movie theater to, to like suck up to your girlfriend who you make <laughs> feel like a hooker? Uh, it's also bad to punch a full grown guy because if you weren't on a TV show, he would wreck you. <laughs> And your that. hand would be broken. He's much bigger than you. Yeah, that makes fun. It sure does. Next time on Again With This, David's Piss Angel Mind Freak routine gets great ratings. <laughs> LOL. But bad reviews from the gang. Matt and Kelly disagree yet again on how he should handle a client who has done it for fucking business yet again. And after a police raid on the peach pit after after even darker, Gina gets mercy from Mel Silver. 
Open wide and say, ARG hits the visual aids for this and every other episode of Again With This. You can find those on our website at Again With This 90210. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at AWT 90210. I'm Relatable Panic Attack, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm on Twitter at Tomato Nation. My co host is Meat Dish, Tara Ariano, and she's on Twitter <laughs> at Tara Ariano. Our producer is Inflatable Palm Tree, David T. Cole. Talk to you next time. Hi, you know what to do after the beeperoonie.